Section 52 of The Book of One Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 11. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Diana Terrio. The Book of One Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 11, by Anonymous. Translated by Richard Francis Burton. The Twenty-Sixth Night of the Month When came the night, the king summoned his vizier and bade him tell the story of the king who lost kingdom and wife and wealth. He replied, Hearing and obeying. Give ear, O sovereign, to the tale of the king who lost kingdom and wife and wealth, and Allah restored them to him. There was once a king of the kings of Hind, who was a model of morals, praiseworthy in policy, leaf of justice to his lieges, lavish to men of learning and piety and abstinence and devoutness and worship and shunning mischief-makers and forward folk, fools and traitors. After such goodly fashion he abode in his kingship what Allah the Most High willed of watches and days and twelve months, and he married the daughter of his father's brother, a beautiful woman and a winsome, endowed with brightness and perfection, who had been reared in the king's house in delicacy and delight. She bare him two sons, the most beauteous that might be of boys, when came destiny, from whose decree is no deliverance, and Allah the Most High raised up against the king another king, who came forth upon his realm, and was joined by all the folk of the city that had a mind to lewdness and forwardness. So he strengthened himself by means of them against the king, and compassed his kingdom, routing his troops and killing his guards. The king took his wife, the mother of his sons, and what he might of monies, and saved his life and fled in the darkness of the night, unknowing whither he should wend. When as wayfare grew sore upon them, there met them highwaymen on the way, who took all that was with them, so that naught remained to each of them save a shirt and trousers. The robbers left them without even provant or camels or other riding cattle and they ceased not to fare on afoot till they came to a copse which was an orchard of trees on the ocean shore. Now the road which they would have followed was crossed by a sea arm, but it was shallow and scant of water. Wherefore, when they reached that place, the king took up one of his children, and fording the water with him, set him down on the further bank, and returned for his other son, whom also he seated by his brother. Lastly, returning for their mother, he took her up, and passing the water with her, came to the place where he had left his children, but found them not. Thereupon he looked at the midst of the island and saw an old man and an old woman engaged in making themselves a reed hut. So he set down his wife over against them and started off in quest of his children. But none gave him news of them, and he went round about right and left, yet found not the whereabouts they were. On this wise fared it with him. But as to the children, 
they had entered the copse to make water, and they found there a forest of trees, wherein, if a sturdy horseman strayed, he might wander by the week and never know its first from its last. So the boys pushed into it and wotted not how they should return, and went astray in that wood, for a purpose willed of Allah Almighty, whilst their father sought them, but found them not. So he returned to their mother, and they abode weeping for their children, as for whom, when they entered the forest, it swallowed them up, and they fared at haphazard, wandering in it many days, knowing not whence they came or whither they went, till they issued forth at another side upon the open country. Meanwhile their parents, the king and queen, tarried in the island, over against the old man and his old woman, and ate of the fruits, and drank of the rills that were in it, till, one day of the days, as they sat, behold, up came a ship, and made fast to the island side for provisioning with water. Whereupon they looked one at other and spoke. The master of the craft was a Magian man, and all that was therein, both crew and goods, belonged to him, for he was a trader and went round about the world. Now greed of gain deluded the old man, the owner of the island, and he fared to the ship and gave the Guebra news of the king's wife, setting out to him her charms, till he made him long for her, and his soul moved him to practice treachery and cousinage upon her and take her from her husband. Accordingly he sent to her, saying, Aboard with us is a woman with child, and we dread lest she be delivered this night. Hast thou aught of skill in midwifery? She replied, Yes. Now it was the last of the day, so he sent her to come up into the ship and deliver the woman, for that the labor pangs were come upon her, and he promised her clothes and spending money. Hereat she embarked confidently with heart at ease for herself, and transported her gear to the ship. But no sooner had she come thither than the sails were hoisted and the canvas was loosed, and the ship set sail. When the king saw this, he cried out, and his wife wept in the ship and would have cast herself into the waves, but the Magian bade his men lay hands on her. So they seized her, and it was but a little while ere the night darkened, and the ship vanished from the king's eyes whereupon he fainted away for excess of weeping and lamentation, and passed his night bewailing his wife and his children. And when the morning morrowed, he began improvising these couplets. O world, how long this spite, this enmity! Say me, dost ever spare what spared can be? And look, my friends have fared fain and free. They went and went with them, my dear delight, e'en from the day when friends to part were dight, and turbid made their lost life's clarity. By Allah, ne'er I wist their worth aright, nor e'er wot I worth of friends unite, till fared they leaving flame and heart of me. I'll ne'er forget them since what day each white hide and withdrew from me his well-loved sight, and yet I weep this parting blow to dree. I vow in heaven deign my friend's return, 
and cry the crier in mine ears that yearn, the far is near, right soon their sight shalt see. Upon their sight my cheeks I'll place, to sprite I'll say rejoice, thy friends return to thee, nor blame my heart when friends were lief to flee. I rent my heart, ere rent my raiment tree. He sat weeping for the severance of his wife and children till the morning, when he went forth wandering at a venture, unweeting what he should do, and ceased not walking along the seashore days and nights, unknowing whither he went, and taking no food save the herbs of the earth, and seeing neither man nor wildling nor other living thing, till his wayfare brought him to a mountain top. He sojourned in the highland, and abode a while there alone, eating of its fruits and drinking of its founts. Then he came down thence and trudged along the high road three days, when he hit upon tilled fields and villages, and gave not overgoing till he made a great city on the shore of the salt sea, and came to its gate at the last of the day. The gatekeepers allowed him no admission, so he spent his night and hungered, and when he arose in the morning he sat down hard by the portal. Now the king of the city was dead, and had left no son, and the citizens fell out and anent who should be ruler over them, and their words and reeds differed, so that civil war was like to befall them thereupon. But it came to pass that, after long jangle, they agreed to leave the choice to the late king's elephant, and that he unto whom he consented should be king, and that they would not contest with him this way. So to this they swear, and on the morrow they brought out their elephant, and fared to a sight within sight of the city. Nor was there man or woman but was present at that moment. Then they adorned the elephant, and raising the throne on his back, gave him the crown in his trunk, and he went round about examining the countenances of the folk, but stopped not over against any of them, till he came at last to the forlorn king. The Exile who had lost his children and his wife, when the beast prostrated himself to him, and placing the crown on his head, took him up and set him upon his back. Thereupon the people all prostrated themselves, and gave mutual joy of this, and the drums of good tidings beat before him, and he entered the city, and went on till he reached the house of justice, and the audience hall of the palace, and sat down upon the throne of the kingdom, crown on head. Whereat the lieges entered to congratulate him and to bless him. Then he addressed himself, as was his wont in the kingship, to forwarding the affairs of the folk, and ranging the troops according to their ranks, and looking into their affairs and those of all the riots. He also released those who were in the dungeons, and abolished the custom dues, and gave honorable robes, and lavished great gifts, and bestowed largesse, and conferred favors on the emirs, and wazirs, and lords of the realm. And the chamberlains and nabobs presented themselves before him, and did him homage. So the city people rejoiced in him, and said, Indeed, this be none other than a king of the greatest of the kings. 
and presently he assembled the sages and the theologians and the sons of the sovereigns, and conversed with them, and asked them subtle questions and casuistical problems, and talked over with them things manifold of all fashions that might direct him to rectitude in the kingship. And he questioned them also of mysteries and religious obligations, and of the laws of the land and the regulations of rule, and of that which it beseemeth the liege lord to do of looking into the affairs of the lieges, and repelling the foe, and fending off his malice with force and fight. So the subjects' contentment redoubled, and their exaltation in that which Allah Almighty had vouchsafed them of his kingship over them. On such wise he upheld the ordinance of the realm, and the affairs abode established upon the accepted custom and local usage. Now the late king had left a wife and two daughters, and the people would fain have married the princess royal to the new king, that the rule might not pass clean away from the old rulers. Accordingly they proposed to him that he should wed her or the other of the deceased king's daughters, and he promised them this, but he put them off from him of his respect for the covenant he had made with his former wife, his cousin, that he would marry none other than herself. Then he betook himself to fasting by day and praying through the night, multiplying his alms-deeds, and beseeching Allah, extolled and exalted be he, to reunite him with his children and his wife, the daughter of his father's brother. When a year had elapsed, there came to the city a ship, wherein were many merchants and much merchandise. Now it was their custom from time immemorial that the king, whenever a ship made port, sent to it such of his pages as he trusted in, who took agency of the goods, to the end that they might be first shown to the sovereign, who bought as much of them as befitted him, and gave the merchant's leave to sell whatso he wanted not. So he commissioned, according to his custom, a man who should fare to the ship and seal up the bales and set over them one who could watch and ward them. Meanwhile the queen, his wife, when the Magian fled with her and proffered himself to her and lavished upon her abounding wealth, rejected him, and was like to kill herself for chagrin at that which had befallen, and for concern anent her separation from her husband. She also refused meat and drink, and resolved to cast herself into the sea. But the Magian chained her, and straightened her, and clothed her in a coat of wool, and said to her, I will continue thee in wretchedness and humiliation until thou obey me and accept me. So she took patience and looked for the Almighty to deliver her from the hand of that accursed. And she ceased not traveling with him from country to country till he came with her in fine to the city wherein her husband was king and his goods were put under seal. Now the woman was in a chest and two youths of the late king's pages, who were now in the new king's service, were those who had been charged with the watch and ward of the craft and her cargazon. When the evening evened on them, the twain began talking, and recounted that which had befallen them in their days of childhood, and the manner of the faring forth of their father and mother from their country and kingdom, when the wicked overcame their realm, and how they had gone astray in the forest, and how fate had severed them from their parents. For short they told their tale from first to last. 
When the woman heard their talk, she knew that they were her sons, and cried out to them from the chest, I am your mother, such an one, and the token between you twain and me is thus and thus. The young men knew the token, and falling upon the chest brake the lock and brought out their mother, who seeing them strained them to her bosom, and they fell upon her and fainted away, all three. When they came to themselves, they wept a while, and the people assembled about them, marveling at that they saw, and questioned them of their case. So the young princes vied each with other who should be the first to discover the story to the folk. And when the Magian saw this, he came up crying out, Alack and ruin! and said to them, Why and wherefore have ye broken open my chest? Verily, I had in it jewels, and ye have stolen them. And this damsel is my slave-girl, and she hath agreed with you both upon a device to take my wealth. Then he rent his raiment, and cried for aid, saying, I appeal to Allah and to the just king, so he may quit me of these wrongous youths. They both replied, This is our mother, and thou stolest her. Whereupon words waxed manifold between them, and the folk plunged into talk with many a he said, and twas said concerning their affair and that of the pretended slave-girl. And the strife increased between them, so that at last they carried them all four to the king's court. When the two young men presented themselves between his hands, and stated their case to him and to the folk, and the sovereign heard their speech, he knew them, and his heart was like to fly for joy. The tears poured from his eyes at their sight and the sight of his wife, and he thanked Allah Almighty and praised him for that he had deigned reunite them. Then he bade the folk who were present about him be dismissed, and commanded the Magian and the woman and the two youths be tomorrow committed to his armory for the night ordering that they should keep guard over them all until the Lord should make the morning tomorrow, so that he might assemble the Kazis and the justiciaries and assessors and determine between them, according to holy law, in the presence of the four judges. So they did this, and the king passed the night praying and praising Allah of all might for that which he had vouchsafed him of kingship and power and victory over the white who had wronged him. When the morning morrowed, he assembled the Kazis and deputies and assessors, and summoning the Magian and the two youths and their mother, questioned them of their case. Whereupon the two young men began, and said, We are the sons of King such an one, and foemen and lewd fellows gat the mastery of our realm, so our sire fled forth with us and wandered at haphazard for fear of the foe. And they recounted to him all that had betided them from beginning to end. Quoth he, Ye tell a marvellous tale, but what hath fate done with your father? Quoth they, We know not how fortune dealt with him after our loss. And he was silent. Then he bespake the woman, And thou, what sayest thou? So she set forth to him her case and all that had betided her and her husband, from the beginning of their hardships to the end, and recounted to him their adventures up to the time when they took up their abode with the old man and woman who dwelt on the seashore, 
Then she reported that which the Magian had practiced on her of fraud, and how he had carried her off in the craft, and everything that had betided her of humiliation and torment. All this while the Kazis and judges and deputies, hearkening to her speech, as they had lent ear to the other's adventures. When the king heard the last of his wife's tale, he said, Verily, there hath betided thee a mighty grievous matter. But hast thou knowledge of what thy husband did and what came of his affair? She replied, Nay. By Allah, I have no knowledge of him, save that I leave him no hour unremembered in righteous prayer, and that never, whilst I live, will he cease to be to me the father of my children and my cousin and my flesh and my blood. Then she wept, and the king bowed his head, whilst his eyes welled tears at her tale. Presently he raised his head to the Magian and cried to him, Say thy say, thou also. So the Magian replied, This is my slave girl, whom I bought with my money from such a country for so many dinars, and I made her my betrothed and loved her exceedingly and gave my monies into her charge. But she falsed me in my substance and plotted with one of my lads to slay me, tempting him by a promise that she would kill me and become his wife. When I knew this of her and was assured that she purposed treason against me, I awoke from my dream of happiness and did with her that which I did, fearing for my life from her craft and perfidy. For indeed she is a trickstress with her tongue, and she hath taught these two youths this pretense by way of slight, and of her guile and her malice. So be you not deluded by her and by her talk. Thou liest, O accursed, cried the king, and bade lay hands on him and iron him. Then he turned to the two youths, his sons, and strained them to his breast, weeping sore, and saying, O all ye people who are present of Kaziz and assessors and lords of the land, know that these twain are my sons, and that this is my wife and the daughter of my father's brother, for that Willom I was king in such a realm. And he recounted to them his history from commencement to conclusion, nor is there aught of fruition in repetition. Whereupon the folk cried out with weeping and wailing for the stress of what they heard of marvellous chances and that wondrous story. As for the king's wife, he bade carry her into his palace and lavished upon her and upon her sons all that befitted and beseemed them of bounties, whilst the lieges flocked to offer up prayers for him and give him joy of his reunion with his wife and children. When they had made an end of blessings and congratulations, they besought the king to hasten the punishment of the Magian and heal their hearts with tormenting and abasing him. So he appointed them for a day on which they should assemble to witness his requitement and that which should betide him of torment, and shut himself up with his wife and two sons, and abode thus private with them three days, during which time they were veiled from the folk. On the fourth day the king entered the hammam, 
and faring forth sat down on the throne of his kingship, crown on head. Whereupon the folk came into him, according to their custom, and after the measure of their several dignities and degrees. And the emirs and wazirs entered, and eke the chamberlains and nabobs, and captains of war, and the falconers and arm-bearers, and commanders of the bodyguard. Then he seated his two sons, one on his right and the other on his left hand, whilst the subjects all stood before him and lifted up their voices in thanksgiving to Allah the Most High and glorification of him, and were instant in orisons for the king and in setting forth his virtues and excellent qualities. He answered them with the most gracious of answers and bade carry the Magian outside the city and set him on a high scaffold which had been builded for him there. And he said to the folk, Behold, I will torture him with torments of all kinds and fashions. Then he began telling them that which he had wrought of villainy with his cousin-wife, and what he had caused her of severance between her and her husband, and how he had required her person of her. But she had sought refuge for her chastity against him with Allah, to whom belong honor and glory, and chose abasement rather than obedience to him, despite stress of torture, neither wrecked she aught of that which he lavished to her of monies and raiment, jewels and ornaments. When the king had made an end of his story, he bade the bystanders spit in the Magian's face and curse him, and they did this. Then he bade cut out his tongue, and on the next day he bade lop off his ears and nose and pluck out both his eyes. On the third day he bade hew off his hands, and on the fourth his feet, and they ceased not to dismember him limb after limb, and each member they cast into the fire after its amputation before his face, till his soul departed, after he had endured torments of all kinds and fashions. Then the king bade crucify his trunk on the city wall for three days, after which he gave orders to burn it and reduce its ashes to powder and scatter them abroad in the air. And when this was done, the king summoned the Kazis and the witnesses and commanded them marry the old king's daughter and her sister to his own sons. So the youths wedded them, after the king had made a bride feast three days, and displayed their brides to them from nightfall to day dawn. Then the two princes went in unto their brides, and abated their maidenheads, and loved them, and were vouchsafed issue by them. As for the king their sire, he abode with his cousin-wife, their mother, that while Allah, to whom belong honor and glory, willed. And they rejoiced in reunion each with other. The kingship endured unto them and high degree and victory, and the sovereign continued to rule with justice and equity, so that the lieges loved him and prayed for him and for his sons, length of life and durance of days. And they lived the most delightsome of existences, till there came to them the destroyer of delights and severer of societies, the depopulator of palaces and garnerer of graves. And this is all that hath come down to us of the story of the king and his wife and sons. Nor, continued the wazir, 
If this story be a solace and a diversion, is it pleasanter or more diverting than the tale of the youth of Corazon and his mother and sister? When King Shabakht heard this story, it pleased him, and he bade the minister hie away to his own house. End of section 52